You are now listening to The Real Enneagram, a podcast by the Institute for Conscious Being. To learn more about the Institute and its offerings, visit theicb.info. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot I-N-F-O. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Joe Howell and Nanette Moodyum. Well, welcome back to the ICB's podcast, The Real Enneagram, and to week three of our series on Becoming Conscious, written by Dr. Joseph Howell, who I'm here with today. Hi, Dr. Joe. How are you? I'm fine, Nanette, and I'm glad to be here with you. Good. Well, we're going to dive into chapters four and five in your book today. And... um They have kind of long titles, but chapter four is called The Ego, Its Fixations and Suffering. And chapter five is called The Three Levels of Functioning and Consciousness Within Each Type. That's some deep stuff right there. And so we'll get right to it. Um, One of my first questions that I'd like you to talk about today is the pain body, which you mentioned in chapter four. And tell us what that means and how we could use that to identify our ego and its fixations and suffering, obviously, with pain body. The pain body is the systemic suffering within humanity. And when I say that, I mean legitimate suffering as well as needless suffering. And pain is something every human being has got to go through. We do not grow without pain. But as Eckhart Tolle so beautifully points out in his talks on the pain body, some people identify with the pain that's carried in their body. Now, it's not just the pain that's in their physical body, it's in the pain that's in their mental bodies and in their emotional bodies. And it isn't just the pain from their own life, it's the pain that's been carried down from generation to generation for thousands upon thousands of years. The pain of death, the pain of loss, the pain of burying children, spouses, the pain of wars, the pain of separations, the pain of unspeakable atrocities, the pain of living with endless anxiety. When that pain is encoded into our DNA, and it is just like the joys of Wendy, weddings and celebrations and births. All of that are impressions that were made on the DNA of our lineage. And many lineages are far less joyful than other lineages, carry far more pain, as it were. And that family history, for example, 
the history of the Jewish people whose parents were in the Holocaust, it can be proven that even though the children were not in Dachau or Auschwitz, that they still have higher levels of cortisol in their bodies than the average person. Why is this? And we look at the African-American who's, for generations, hundreds of years, suffered the physical and mental and spiritual torment of being enslaved, families torn apart, sold, um, beatings, lynchings, the absence of any moral freedom that they were given. And for that to have happened, what must be in African Americans who had enslaved relatives, what must be in their bodies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So every human being has some to a greater or lesser extent. But the ego is very well aware of the pain body. And there are advantages to the pain body for an ego. And those advantages are it can amplify the ego's voice through whining, demanding, complaining, screaming out for attention, and all manner of things that the ego who wants to be bigger than it is can use the pain body to be so. Mm -hmm. This means that the ego will, from time to time, primarily so identify with the pain body that they become one and the same. Mm-hmm. And th- and this is for every human. Like yes. Ev- yes. I mean, irregardless of whether you're right. a, a Jewish person or an African American, oh, right. this is everybody. All people. Everybody's pain body yes. can can search out for validation through expression. Through expression. Okay. And it uses the ego as a primary means to express itself. Okay. And when the ego cooperates, the pain body becomes more intense. And when the ego identifies with it as that is who we are, you try to take somebody's pain away from them and they think that that the pain is who they are, you're taking them away from themselves. Uh-huh. It becomes part of their identity. That's it. Okay. Uh-huh. I spent years as a psychologist in a hospital and I worked for a decade in a family practice medical clinic. And as a psychologist, my job was to teach behavioral science to residents who were in training to be medical doctors in family practice. And so many of their patients got on their nerves, these Mm. physicians, 
because no matter what the doctor did, they the patient wouldn't get well. Even though the test results may be better, the people, the patient, didn't say, I'm feeling better, doc. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And this is because of the pain body. The body may have indeed been healthier, but the ego was so identified with its unhealthy body that it did not know how to be healthy. It did not know how to be a person without a person in pain. Wow. So can you relate that to what is a critical mass of suffering? Yes. We all have fixations. And in this particular chapter, I think I expound upon the fixations. And those are the repetitive, addictive behaviors that we get into that keep us trapped in the same behavior. Mm -hmm. The fixation is the ego's way of living. And if the fixation, for example, the fixation of the six is ego cowardice, fear, not being able to feel secure ever and doubting one's own levels of faith and strength to endure anything in life that's difficult. But when one is fixated on being a coward and fixated on their own cowardice, they may escape cowardice by finding security and finding a group that they can get into that will hide them, protect them, especially if the leader of the group can cover for them and protect the ego six, then that might work, but it will not work for a lifetime for the six. Sooner or later, every human being has to stand alone. You know that mm -hmm. phrase, the cheese stands alone, mm -hmm. that we have to answer for our own lives. We have to make our own decisions. And the truth of life is that no group and no one person can ever cover for us and protect us constantly. And so the cowardice emerges in spades when the person realizes, I'm really not secure. My fixation of being a coward is so great that it's giving me pain that my beautiful, well-thought-out methods of getting security don't cover anymore. Mm -hmm. That increases suffering. The pain of the fixation, when it increases, makes us so miserable that we look for relief. Lots of times this hits at various nodes in our development. It's been said that at the age of 28 to 30 
is a tremendous time when people begin questioning their ego and how well it's working for them. But by midlife, at age 40 to 45, it is really questioned. It's questioned so vitally and so profoundly that phrases come up like midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. There's a book called Passages, which explains the various crises that we go through in life that question our ego's methods of dealing with life. And when we reach a critical mass of suffering and we can no longer live the way we used to live, we begin searching for a way to live that is different, that brings us satisfaction rather than more pain. And this is when people are willing to leave egoic ways of living into exploring other avenues of living. And this is where the Enneagram comes in because it shows us there is indeed another way to live. And that is not from our ego, but from our soul. Now, I have to say this. There are some people who go through passages. There are some people, and that's written by Gail Sheehy, by the way. And there are other people who uh, go through midlife crises who do not get any relief from their suffering. They harden into their fixation. They become a very unhealthy ego. For example, if their ego has identified with a pain body, they then relinquish to the pain body and allow it to take over. They kind of double down on it. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, if somebody is fixated on um, always accomplishing, like the three is, it's called ego go. They're blindly accomplishing and they leave their bodies and only do accomplishing. It's called a dissociative reaction. In the very unhealthy doubling down, we really aren't present at all. Mm. So the critical mass of suffering can either serve as a wake-up call to our ego and to greater self-discovery, mm-hmm. or we can get even more unhealthy and mm. unconscious. Right. Right? Okay. Well, so if if the critical mass of suffering serves to as a wake-up call mm-hmm. and we begin to do the work, how is that beneficial? It's beneficial because... Because a critical mass of suffering yeah. doesn't sound like something we want to endure. <laughs> no, no. Although some people do. Mm. And don't try to take it away from them because that's who they think they are. Uh-huh. Okay? Uh-huh. Doc, I still feel bad this 
this week. I just don't know what's going on. My my joints ache, and I tell you what, I have these terrible knee problems. And well, I told you the doctor says that you can get a wonderful knee replacement. Oh no, I don't think I could go through that surgery, doc. Mm-hmm. So they want to complain because they are being who they are. Mm-hmm. This is the expression of the only identity they know who they are to be, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is a tragedy. Yes, yes. Whereas we could use that circumstance to say, what is my body trying to tell me? I mean, there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score, which which really connects our mm-hmm. our physical feelings to our emotional wiring and helps us to do the work there. And, Absolutely. And doing the work is an opportunity. Yes. 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 It's a springboard. Uh-huh. I know that for me personally... I was in a situation where I counted on a boss to take care of me. And as an ego six, I thought I was totally secure. But that boss, in his own way, left me. And there I was, really the cheese, standing alone. And I was like a deer in the headlight. And that terror was so painful that I knew that I could not live the rest of my life that way. Mm. I said, there's got to be another way. Mm -hmm. Luckily, the Enneagram Truths found me. Mm -hmm. And I found that not only was there another way, but the other way was my real way of being, Mm -hmm. the way I was really created to move in this world. So would you say that the ego is what brings suffering? Yes. So what if we just get rid of the ego altogether? Is that possible? It it isn't possible unless somebody would like to just lie down and play dead. Mm. The ego is essential because it is the mental structure that keeps us aware, that puts clothes on us, that helps us to be appropriate and polite company, (laughs) that helps us find a way to make a living so that we can eat. It is a power engine that the soul actually needs in order to move through this physical world and maneuver through it. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to what would be an unhealthy ego, an average ego, a conscious ego? Is there, is there a difference as as we, as we point out in the book? And can you speak to those? Well, the ego can be healthy, average, or unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And um, in in the book Becoming Conscious that I wrote, I outline the three basic descriptions of each of the egoic personality types at all three of those levels. The healthy aspect, how it looks, when it's just average, 
how it moves through the world. And when it's unhealthy, the, the painful destructiveness that, uh, the ego has. So the ego really has got to make a decision when it gets to the critical mass of suffering. It's got to decide whether it's going to cooperate and serve the soul or whether it's going to hold out for its own narrative, which is making us suffer. It's, it's, a, it's a painful journey to choose that unhealthy path of the ego. Right. It, it doesn't really work. It doesn't. But no. yet so many people are, we're trapped in cycles of just thinking, well, this is the way I do it. And so I'm going to keep doing it that way, even though it's so painful. Right. And that really is why a critical mass of suffering is an opportunity to say, oh, there could be a, a healthier way mm-hmm. for me to live my life. Well, it's fantastic because once you pull away from the suffering, and go to the soul for a way to move in the world, that changes relationships. Maybe even for some people it has changed vocations. Mm -hmm. People have given up pursuits that were pursuits of their ego that their heart really wasn't in. Mm -hmm. And that it was making them sick. But when they pulled out of it and found the qualities of their soul and the purpose of their soul, that reoriented them to an entirely different life. Yeah, it's amazing that it could make you not only emotionally healthier, but even physically healthier. Absolutely. You know, and we we see that in our students. I have seen that in my own life, that mm-hmm. as I've done, gone through this journey, that that I've I've learned to listen to my own body to say, mm-hmm. where is the suffering and what is my body telling me uh, as a way to be living more in my soul? My soul has helped to heal my body. Right. And that's what I love about Enneagram work, that the early teachers of the Enneagram came upon what the major qualities of the soul really are. And they are more of who we are than any personality structure that we have. They're deeper. They're from our depths. Mm-hmm. They are more alive. And they make us more joyful, happier, peaceful, and purposeful. Mm-hmm. So that suffering is inevitable, but there is also Could we say a cure from the soul? Yes. What happens is the ego and the soul strike a deal. The ego transforms from being egocentric to being soul-centric. And it amalgamates or becomes part of the soul. So the soul has a thing that can move it through the world in the practical concerns of living. But the soul is in charge. It now commands the ego, and the ego serves the soul. So you've got the best of both worlds. 
Well, the best of both worlds sounds like um, a beautiful world and really just really the heart of the ICB's teaching on the Enneagram that that we believe that there is a soul that really can heal us. And so thank you so much for sharing thank with you, us Nina. today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real Enneagram, a podcast by the Institute for Conscious Being. To learn more about the Institute and its offerings, visit theicb.info. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot I-N-F-O. The music for today's podcast was composed and performed by ICB faculty member Drexel Rayford.